I know I saw Brother Judah here somewhere. We're glad they're all here tonight. Wow, good to see everybody today. And uh, such a cool morning. It got hot quick, didn't it? Still in the south, I think. Uh, we flew in just uh, yesterday, Monday, from West Texas. And uh, they never get rain out there, but they had about three inches of rain in three days. So uh, every street was flooded. And got Florence coming up the coast of the east, going to hit somewhere, we think. So, you know, a lot of things going on in the weather. But these are all just signs that things are coming together fast and coming together quick. And God's, God's doing a great work in the world today. And I want to be in the middle of that. I, I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. Amen. Uh, Pastor and I talked last time we were here back in March, May. Perfect. Um, and he mentioned some of the things that we have done in Africa and how he has shared, and uh, the church has been blessed by that, and I'm very grateful to hear of that. And we started talking and just felt in the Holy Ghost that it would be good if uh, we had a couple of days today, tomorrow, where some of the same principles, concepts, that uh, if you're part of the team that goes to Africa with us, and several here have been on one of the teams. Uh, Nathaniel was there in 1938, and... (laughs) going way back and others that uh, have been with us but some of these concepts and principles that uh, we uh, Lois and myself um, have exercised over the years and been a part of over the years and just be able to share it with those that are hungry (laughs) those who are here today and can make it here today and are hungry for for some deep things of God so I'm I'm going to talk about power prayers tonight and after we talk about the prayers, I'm not just going to give you some information, but we're going to move into it. There's going to be some impartation that happens, uh, some gifts of the Spirit that will impart upon us and we'll operate in. And then we'll give you a chance to, to exercise it and to move in it a little further. So it won't be lengthy at all, but uh, make sure we want, to, we want to make sure that we get into the presence of God here. So while you're standing, James chapter 5, begin reading at verse 13. I feel cheated because my friend isn't singing today. (laughs) I'd love to hear Sister Walden sing. Amen. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Rain not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, the earth brought forth her fruit. And brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which convert the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death 
and shall hide a multitude of sin. Verse 20 is a powerful promise to you. That if you have any part in soul winning, salvation, reaching out to someone, an intercessory prayer for someone, you need to know this, that you are converting a sinner from the error of his ways and you're saving a soul from death and you're hiding a multitude of sin. That's a very powerful promise. I'm talking about power prayers. God bless you. you may be seated. Traditionally here in James... Um, we have taken this passage and two probably uh, favorite passages from what we've read here. The one is the anointing of the elders upon those that are sick. And the second is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I think traditionally when we have looked at this passage, these are the two things that leap out at us and perhaps the two things that we have preached before. But I I want you to uh, look at the context of what is happening here in James chapter 5. The first thing that he starts with in verse 13 is, any among you afflicted, let him pray. Now, as you begin to read down into the rest of this chapter, you'll see that he's speaking about being passionate in your prayer, being fervent in your prayer. And using your passion and your fervency to be effective in prayer. Uh, when, if you're afflicted, pray. So how does that connect in context? Well, you need to use the circumstance that you're going through to be fervent. You need to use what you're dealing with to be very passionate. So if the enemy has come against you and something is rising up within you, let that happen. Get mad at the enemy. Use a passionate prayer to rebuke him and get behind me and plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Use the affliction that you're dealing with and the passion of that affliction, the, the, uh, the fervency of what you're feeling. Use your emotions. Use your spiritual virtue, and that's going to help you be powerful and effective. So he continues on by saying, Is any Mary? Let him sing psalms. Now, in the King James Version, that kind of sounds lotty dime poetic, you know. We don't even say Mary anymore unless it's Merry Christmas, you know. And we don't sing psalms. We sing songs and worship and devotionals or whatever. But this is literally saying the same thing. That if you happen to have joy in your heart, then let it out. Come to church with the rest of us that might be struggling and get out and dance and shout about how good. Use the joy that is in your heart for praise and for singing and for worship. And you got to use where you're at in life. If you're afflicted and you've been pressed upon, then rise up and use a, a powerful, potent prayer of even anger. Because where you're at, you need to use that passion. You need to use that energy, that spiritual virtue. And if you are merry or you're happy, you just happen to wake up or things are going good or God's answered all kind of prayers, then get with it and worship and praise and dance all over this place and let everybody else know. You're going to help us move into a dimension of joy because of what you bring in your ministry worship. So this is the context of what James is telling us. In verse 14, he said, As any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, uh, when I'm sick, I, I like to be babied a little bit. 
And uh, my love language is touch, so I need to be petted and hugged and loved on. And when I'm sick, I have difficulty even praying for myself. I'm tired. I don't, I don't feel good. I, just, I, don't, I don't want to press into that. It's difficult. But in context of what John, James is saying, it's, it's all right to be that way. Because we have the body of Christ. So if you're sick, call for elders of the church. And begin to let them know where you're at. That I can't even pray for myself. That I don't feel good. I need somebody else to pray. Now, from this uh, verse 14, we have a tradition that is among us in apostolic Pentecostal services. Uh, and it's this. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil. In the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. We actually have made this into kind of a tradition of what we sometimes do in church service. And we'll call people that are sick down to the front. We'll get the oil and we'll anoint them with oil. I, I'm, I'm very happy for us to continue to do that. But I think it would help us also if we get some understanding of what's happening here. In the custom of the time that James is writing this, oil was a customary anointing that they did for certain situations. Do you remember in the Gospels when Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee's house? And there they were eating and celebrating and Mary came in and broke the alabaster box. And When Jesus turns to Simon, the host of the house, and it's explaining to him what Mary just did, he says this, When I walked in, you didn't wash my feet. But here, she's not ceased to wash my feet with her tears. He also says, when I came in, you didn't anoint my head with oil. Because the custom of the time was that the guest of honor was anointed. When the guest of honor, what the party was all about, what what the celebration was all about came in, the host would anoint that individual with oil so that everyone that came to the party would pass that individual by and smell the aroma of that anointing and know this is the guest of honor. This is the whole reason why we are having a celebration or feast today. So what James is saying in context of the culture is simply this, that... um, Call for the elders of the church, and they feel that God wants to do a miracle for you. If the timing is right for a healing for you, then they're going to put that anointing oil on you, and everybody that comes into that church is going to know God's going to do something special for this individual. God's going to do a miracle here. He's going to do something. There's something special for this individual. We've anointed them because as elders of the church, we feel like God wants to do something. So they're the guest of honor, if you will, in the house today. So understanding that, then we can see also how this fits into the context of what James is telling us. That um, if you can't pray for yourself, if you're too sick, just get the elders involved. And when they feel like it's the will of God, then they're going to say in this church service, this person's going to be healed. This person's going to be delivered. This person's going to be freed. And we come together in a spirit of unity. And what we might not be able to do for ourselves, the body together can do. I don't have virtue. I don't have passion. But you're going to lend me your passion, your virtue, your energy. And the passion will help this individual that's sick. And also, because it's the body of Christ, any sin committed them will be forgiven. Immediately after this, James goes and speaks about Elijah. 
Now, in the Greek here, it's called Elias, but this is the prophet Elijah of the Old Testament. And James said that he was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It didn't rain three and a half years. And then he prayed again that it would rain. The rain came back. But traditionally, I think we have looked at this and said, well, he's tempted just like we are. You know, Elijah was man. He put his pants on. He probably didn't put pants on, but he put his pants on one leg at a time, like we would say. You know, he's just a man like we are. But in context, I think you can see a new light, perhaps, of what this is declaring. That Elijah had no more passion than we have. When Jesus ministers, you'll often hear him speaking about virtue flowing from him. There is a spiritual energy or essence When I minister in the Holy Ghost, when I preach and the anointing's upon me, it's exhausting. And people have said over through the years that if you preach one hour apostolic, it's like working an eight-hour day. And I, I would say from my experience, if I preach 45 minutes and then I minister for 30 minutes or so, I feel like I put in some overtime. It's exhausting, not just physically, but there's a spiritual virtue that flows from you. And so Elijah had no more virtue. He didn't even have the Holy Ghost, by the way, but he had no more energy, no more passion than what we had. But he prayed earnestly. He was able to focus his energy, focus his uh, passion, and speak and shut up the heavens because a land needed to be repentant. And then once God's mercy was being showed, he was able to pray passionately and open up the heavens for rain to fall again. So this has given us a real good understanding that there is a place of power prayers and that we can use spiritual energy, our passion, to be effectual if we're fervent and passionate in our prayer. Jesus exampled this as much as anyone in the Scripture. Hebrews 5 and 7 declares this of Jesus, who in the days of His flesh, when He had offered prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto Him that was able to save Him from death, it was heard in that He feared. So here's the affliction upon Jesus. He's about to go down Calvary's pathway, To Golgotha. And he's afflicted because he who knew no sin is about to be the Lamb of God and all the sins of the world be placed upon him. So with that affliction upon him, he is praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And Luke said he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. Hebrews says that he was terrified and he feared as he was praying. But he used the passion of his affliction to be so powerful that finally he lifts his voice and says, Not my will. It doesn't matter if I'm going to death. It doesn't matter if I'm becoming sin. It doesn't matter because I have broke through in my passionate prayer to be very effective. Jesus often in ministry, you'll find the scripture saying something like this. He was moved on with compassion, took the lad's lunch and fed the thousands. He's moved on with compassion and raised the widow's only dead son. Moved on with compassion. That word compassion, you know, it's become a spiritual word for us. But it literally means strong, passionate love. It means being moved on with 
I hate to use this word pity because pity means something different in our world today. But in the original Greek, the pity there is a strong hurt and burden for somebody else. It's not, well, don't pity me, that type of stuff. It's that you see someone in need and your heart goes out to them. So he's being moved on with a strong love, charity, compassion for individuals. And it's from that place that he begins to operate. Now, ministry should always happen through the fruit of the Spirit. It should originate in the fruit of the Spirit. If ministry originates any other place in the fruit of the Spirit, it's warped. It's off balance. Jesus has moved on with charity or compassion or long-suffering or kindness. And from the fruit of the Spirit, he begins to operate in the power gifts of healings and miracles and words of wisdom, etc. So here we find that Jesus did this. We find that his disciples learned to tap into this as well. And I believe maybe one of the places that they first did was where we see the Lord's Prayer. I learned to pray... Indeed, I learned to pray passionate prayers by being in the prayer room with people that's been in relationship with God for a long time. And I, I knew Richard Rader was, he's gone on to his reward, but I remember old man Rader. He, uh, I said that because I grew up with his son. That's what they called it. Uh, the, he got in church late in life. And when he came to God, he never forgot the pit from which he was digged. And every time he'd go to pray, he'd go over in the corner somewhere and hide his face in the carpet. And he'd just be crying and say, oh, God, I don't deserve to even feel your presence. I should be in hell right now. And the passion by which he prayed. I love to get over there and hear Elder Raider pray and just hear that that thankfulness that he had. And that great something about the way he prayed. I want a dimension of that in my life. I remember Jack White, a Sunday school teacher for me when I was, you know, teenage years. And I would go over and listen to Jack White pray. And he, he'd pull up a chair and face the corner. And he'd just start talking like Jesus is right there in the corner with him. Hey, Jesus, I'm back today. And, you know, I had this going on today and that going on today. And I'm amazed that he just had such a closeness with God that he could just speak to him. And I knew that it wasn't like he's only spoke to him today, but all through the day while he was working or he driving or whatever, he's been talking that way to God all day. And something about that powerful relationship, that prayer that he had, I wanted a dimension of that in my life. And I can remember getting close to Sister Steinman. And Sister Steinman, a tremendous lady of sensitivity, powerfully used in the Holy Ghost. And I would hear her pray and feel the sensitivity of the Spirit and the things that she would say in wisdom. And I, I would hunger for that. It might have been a situation just like that, where Jesus was praying passionately, earnestly, that when he got through praying, the disciples said, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples, I want you to teach us to pray. He didn't say, teach us the words to pray or even teach us how to pray. He said, teach us to pray. To me, that says something about the passion of which Jesus was praying, that they're like, that's what I want. I'm his disciple. I want that in my life. I want that dimension of prayer in my life. And from that, we get the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not words to pray, but teach us to, teach us to pray. 
So when we reflect on the passion that Jesus obviously had in prayer, then we realize that we are loosed to be very passionate in our prayers. Um, there are two gifts of the Spirit. Or really, let's just deal with one gift of the Spirit. And if you look at 1 Corinthians, those are writing this down. I'm speaking uh, for your ability to be able to find it again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, here we find Paul speaking to the church at Corinth about some gifts of the Spirit. And he begins to speak about uh, differences of administrations and, and diversities of gifts and the same Spirit and different manifestations. I think it's very important for us not to skip over that and realize that when God, God might give you the same gift that He has given me, but you might operate in it differently. Different administrations, different manifestations, different, different giftings. So what I will be doing here is, is showing you how God has allowed me to move and operate. And it might, it might stir a little bit for you. It might, uh, might operate a little bit different for you. But that is absolutely what Paul is speaking here about differences of administrations and differences of manifestation. So he begins to list some gifts of the Spirit here. And in verse 10, he says, The working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. And then he says, to another, divers kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. So I'm dealing with here the divers kinds of tongues. And just for your information, if you look at the last part of 1 Corinthians, he speaks about some gifts operating here in verse 28. And he says, apostles, prophets, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps governments, and the last phrase is diversities of tongues. So we have diverse kinds of tongues and diversities of tongues. Now the first place we read in Corinth, the word diverse is italicized. It's not an original word translated from the Greek. It's just there to help us give understanding. So it would read kinds of tongues. But this word kind lets us know that it's a kinship. It's a, a varied, it's a, a varying, it's a differences or divers. So it's a good place for divers to be put. The word dif, uh, uh, diversities lets us know there's more than just one, but there are several unique, different tongues. So I'm going to speak just a little bit about diverse kinds of tongues or diversities of tongues as it relates to gifts of the Spirit. And I believe that the Diversities of tongues are as many as God himself wants there to be. But there's some that are very general that I think uh, a lot of us touch and a lot of us can operate in. So we want to make sure that you uh, touch these that we're speaking of. Now, one tongue, and uh, we all know this that are here, is, an, is a tongue of evidence. Evidence tongue. This happens to us when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Evidence by speaking in other tongues. That when we are totally and completely yielded to the spiritual experience of God in filling us, we yield even with our most unruly member, that's our tongue, and we yield our tongue to the spiritual experience, and we speak in other tongues, the Spirit of God gives us the ability, gives us the utterance to do that. That what you speak there is an evidence tongue. 
It's evidence that you're completely yielded. A lot of people, when they first speak in that tongue, it sounds like uh, a baby just trying to talk. Now, I don't mean wan wan dad dad and gag gag. I mean spiritually, right? It's like uh, they've never learned to talk in the Holy Ghost. They haven't been exercising that language. So when they speak, it can sound, you know, fresh, new, unpracticed. Many do, okay? But that evidence tongue is very powerful for us. But when Paul begins to speak here, that once you have received the Holy Ghost, there's diversities of tongues that can happen for you. That's what I want to focus on just a little bit because these are absolutely passionate prayers when you begin to speak in the Holy Ghost. Now, when I go into my personal time of talking with God, whether in church or whether by myself, I will often, almost every time, I will yield to the Spirit and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. James says it like this, you pray in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. And if you listen, I don't think you can help but do that, but if you listen sometimes as you're praying the Holy Ghost, understanding's unfruitful, but you know here what you're speaking most of the time, that you can recognize certain syllables, certain sounds. It's like a language. Anybody shaking your head with me? You, you recognize what I'm talking about. You can hear yourself speaking. Maybe even you can recognize pastor's language. You know, you've heard him speak and you recognize what he sounds like when he prays in the Holy Ghost. Or, or maybe somebody else that you pray with or, or in the prayer room with that you, they, they, you pray a lot with him, you recognize that sound. This is absolutely an edifying tongue. This is what God has given you as his child to be edified, to be confirmed, to be lifted up. And when Paul speaks about this, Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 14, he begins to talk about these things of being edified and being lifted up. When James said, but you, beloved, on your praying in your most holy faith, speaking in the Holy Ghost are built up. So this is also the same edifying tongue. You build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. That tongue is your edifying tongue. Any time that you feel like the world has been beaten up on you in a while, you need to slip in, into that language and just pray in the Spirit. Any time that you have been battling and you're tired, any time that you're down or you have been beat down, you need to pray in the Holy Ghost because that, that is your secret weapon to build you back up. That's what God has given you as his child to lift you back up, to strengthen you again. Praying in the Holy Ghost, an edifying tongue. So I would encourage you as much as possible when you're praying, pray your prayers, pray through the tabernacle, pray your habit, pray the Lord's Prayer, but also make sure you give to spiritual sensitivity and edify yourself as you're praying in the Holy Ghost. But then there's some levels of prayer that... Um, are coming from intercession or burden. Now, for me, when God calls me to some of these diversities of tongues or intercession, um, I began to feel a heaviness upon my spirit. Almost, for me, it's like on the back of my head and on my shoulders, and it sinks down, some of you might understand, it sinks down in the middle of me until my heart is heavy. So I'm feeling it head, shoulders, and heart is heavy. Not physically, 
very much spiritually. So when I feel that in prayer, I'm trying to get under the load of what God has put upon me. And so I want to, I want to get under that burden and I want to begin to pray. And oftentimes I'll begin to pray in English. A lot of times when that burden comes on you and God begins to call you to an intercessory prayer to do battle, to do spiritual warfare, we don't know what we're praying for. Other times we do know. Sometimes you'll know I'm praying for the lost of this city of Athens. Sometimes you'll know I'm praying for campus and those that are on the camp. Sometimes you'll know I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for pastors. Sometimes you'll know. I'm pr- and a lot of times you don't even know. You might be praying for missionaries in Africa. You just feel a burden and you have to pray. So when I feel the calling of God and that heaviness upon me is calling me to intercession, then I begin to pray that. But as I begin to pray that, my normal language doesn't fight it well. It doesn't equal the weight of what I'm feeling. So I have to begin to either pray very strongly in the physical and declare things and tell the enemy to get behind me and this loose. Or I've got to get in the Holy Ghost and let God begin to use me in an intercessory prayer. Now, one of these diversities of tongues comes from this place that I'm speaking to you right now. And I call, this is just my name for it, I call it a warrior prayer or a mighty man of valor prayer because it is a diversity of tongue that is fighting and you are breaking things in the spirit and loosing things in people's life and coming against the enemies of the city or the princes of of the city and coming against the enemies of God so so this is what's happening and often when I yield to that and move into that and I can feel that warrior prayer coming on here's a diversity of tongue a gift of the spirit I begin to move in a tongue that is not my normal language I'm not talking about English I'm talking about praying in the spirit but when I pray in the spirit and I edify, I recognize that sound. But when I begin to pray in this, it sounds more harsh, more guttural. Just like I'm doing now, I've got my fist balled up and I'm swinging my fist and I've got a look on my face and I, I have gotten into the spirit of what's happening and that diversity of tongue comes upon me and I begin to fight in there. I begin to move in there. How, how many of you feel like that you have done that at least to some degree in your prayer life? Beautiful. It looks like maybe a good majority. I know you have great prayer around here. We, we are going to move into that, Okay. And touch it for just a moment and uh, experience it a little bit and let a greater impartation come upon you so that you can operate powerfully with your passion prayers in this perhaps more than what you have or maybe for the first time and begin to experience that. So what what I want you to do is um, uh, allow yourself to have worship in your heart. And as we begin to worship, we're just going to lead you straight from a place of worship into a place of prayer. And then I'm going to speak a word of faith. And when I speak the word of faith, we'll immediately go into that prayer language and let the Holy Ghost begin to fight with us in that warrior's prayer. Let worship begin to flow. Would you do that? Talk to the King of Kings. (laughs) Talk to the Lord of Lords. Tell Him how awesome He is. Submit yourself solely with some 
hallelujah worships. Hallelujah. Yield yourself completely with some hallelujah worship. Yeah. Yes. All right, you're already there. So just begin to yield to the Holy Ghost like you normally speak. Just pray in the Spirit. That's it, just pray in the Spirit. If you have difficulty, I'll lose you right now by the power of the name of Jesus. Just pray in the Spirit. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now here we go. Here we go. I want you to follow the spirit of what's happening. By the authority of the word of God, I loose you in diversities of tongues right now to begin to fight for this city and fight for your families and fight for revival. I loose you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's it boldly. That's it boldly. That's it powerfully. That's it earnestly. Come on, a little further, a little further, a little further. Okay, bring that down. Bring that down. Bring that volume down. The gift is always subject to the prophet. Whatever gifts God puts in you, you can subject them to you. You can know when to give and when not to give. I want you to feel that virtue that has already moved from you. You might feel tired all of a sudden. Because as you are praying and fighting in the Spirit, there's spiritual virtue that's flowing from you. So it's very important that when you begin to fight in the Spirit and use diversities of tongues, that you understand the waves. God moves in seasons. He moves in waves. In a church service, there'll be waves of His Spirit where there's intensity. It's very important to respond when the wave of God is cresting. But then there's times that it'll ebb. It flows and it ebbs. And when that intensity slacks off a little bit, it's very important for you who've been fighting and ministering to be built back up in the Holy Ghost. Brother Billy Cole taught us this. His wife, Sister Shirley, was a powerful intercessor. But she literally broke her health because of not understanding this principle. She would lay in the floor and intercede and felt like that if she ever let up, the enemy was getting some place. And so she broke her health. She broke her strength. Her ministry perhaps was cut short or her sickness would not allow her to pray like she needed to. When you press yourself in, when that wave is there, you stay strong on that. You pray in the Holy Ghost. But when it ebbs, then you go back to that edifying tongue. And just pray in the Spirit and build that back up. Why don't you just slip into that right now? Just edifying tongue. Just You're instantly going to feel some strength begin to come back to you. Get your eyes on Him. Just pray in the Spirit. There's energy coming back right there. There's energy right there. That's it. That's it. I think we should move in this again. 
I feel a wave coming, so when that wave comes, I want you to loose yourself and fight in the Holy Ghost. Lift your voice and begin to fight. When you feel that wave, you do it yourself. There it is. Enemy, lose your hold on the harvest. Yes. Yes. Now, if you feel the ebb, go ahead and just pray in the spirit. Tremendous. Are are you recognizing that pull of the spirit to fight, to pray diversities of tongues for our city, for our families? And then when that ebb comes and you don't feel it as strong, build yourself back up. Very important that you learn to do that. It's the same thing with ministry. If you're in a pulpit or you're in a, an altar or, or a, wherever you're at in ministry, it's important to know the flow and the ebb. I have had to learn through the years that I can't minister to everyone I sit beside on an airplane. I can't minister to every waitress that comes to my table. Oftentimes, straight of a church service, it's there. I see things in the Holy Ghost. But unless God presses me to minister, I don't go there because this is my ebb time. If I try to stay there all the time, I'll exhaust myself, kill myself. I won't be effective for the doors that God has opened for me in church services and places where He's called me to. So you've got to learn to flow when it's strong and to ebb when God is just saying, take your rest, take your strength. He gave us six days to work on the seventh. Rest. If we violate that, it shows up with health in our body. And if we violate that in spiritual, it'll show up with lack of health in our spirits. You wonder how someone could go from something so powerful of ministry to seemingly falling off the wagon. They need to learn that there's places to ebb and places to flow. Strengths. Another diversity of tongue that I want to lead you into. uh, This will be the last one is a very different diversity of tongue. It's the gift of diversity of tongue, but I would call it a travail. I would call it a birthing tongue. It's going to sound very different, but this is what we need to understand about a travail tongue, is that um, if you don't have something to birth, you're not going to be called here. If you have not spent some place and some time of intimacy with a heavenly father that has planted something in your spirit that you so hunger to see miracles happen in church or revival on the campus or if he's planted something in your heart and you carry that, that's who you are. You become misshapen. You, you become, everything becomes about what has been planted in your spirit. Then there will come a time that God will call you and say, it's time. And you'll reach into the spiritual realm with intercession and pull into the physical realm what has been happening in the spirit for sometimes 
hours or days or months or even years, whatever gestation period that God has chosen. And the way that that comes into the physical and into the present, you can pull miracles into the present. You can pull revivals into the present, into the physical. You can do that through intercession as God calls you to the intercession. It happens to me very much in the same way starting out where I feel that heavy burden. I feel the call of God. But instead of having a, an anger against what the enemy is doing, I feel, a, I feel a vulnerability coming upon me. I feel very weak. I feel like I have to push. I'm using so many terms. I think you're seeing what I'm saying. That I have to press until what I've been praying about and what I've been fasting about has to come into the physical realm. So it becomes very much the travail. The scripture says this, and we often quote this, that when Zion travails, she shall bring forth children. And I think most of the time we use that, we want to tie it into a harvest, that new people are going to receive the Holy Ghost when Zion travails. Absolutely true. But children are more than just a, a harvest. It's, it's children of the miraculous. It's children of the supernatural. Because God is that. So anything God is that's been planted in your heart can be travailed and brought in to the physical realm. Okay? So let's go to the same place of worship. I want you to spend a little time focusing on worship. Get a mental picture of him. If you want to see him on the cross, that'd be great. If you want to see him on the throne, that'd be great. However you want to see him, but get a mental picture of your Lord and your Savior, your Jesus, and worship him in English or Spanish or whatever language you understand. And just let worship move for just a little while here among us. My Lord, my God, my Lord. My God, my Lord, my God. Beautiful, beautiful. Now just move into your edifying tongue. Worship Him in that tongue. Make it a worship language in that tongue. You're edified when you worship. Make it a praise language. Let it come from you with thanksgiving. <laughs> Now here we go. Here we go. Make sure you follow the spirit of what's happening. Don't jump out there too quick. By the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, I lose those in this congregation today to be able to travail in the Holy Ghost. And what you've planted in their heart, let them begin to speak in diversities of tongue to birth. I impart this by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. Do that. Do that. Let it flow. Let it flow. Beautiful. Now, if you're exhausted and tired, just pray in the Spirit. Just pray back in the Spirit. Build yourself back up. If you feel the ebb right now, just pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit. Build yourself back up in the Holy Ghost. 
Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, let me talk to you. It's very important that when we go to prayer, God begins to call us to some of these power prayers and begins to lead us to diversities of tongues. Now, the, these are not the only four tongues, the initial, the, the edifying, the warrior's tongue, and the travail tongue. There's a declaring tongue. It's like you're standing before the throne of grace, and you're saying, this is what we need. You're declaring it and speaking it. There, there's tongues that you might feel differently than what I feel. But when God calls you to that in the proper place and time, give yourself to that. Now, if the Spirit begins to move upon you in a church service, realize that timing is very important for all gifts of the Spirit. And if pastor is given leeway in a church service, or whoever's leading the service gives leeway, then let it flow. But as you begin to move in that, you need to immediately understand that there could be a change of what you're doing. You might need to hold that. Now, if I'm preaching a prophetic word... And someone begins to, let's say, for example, begins to operate in diversity of tongue like tongues and interpretation of tongues, right? But I'm speaking prophetically. I will kindly stop them from the pulpit and say, just a moment, sister. Wait just a moment, brother. I'm speaking prophetically. Let's let the prophetic go forth. There'll be a time for you to operate within that. And usually in the altar service or sometime, that will come back to that individual. They begin to flow in it. There must be always when the gifts are operating, there must be no confusion. There must be proper authority submission. It has to flow like it like it's of God and it's under the direction of God, right? And the person that is going to direct that is the pastor or whoever pastor has brought to the pulpit to lead the church. Okay? So, important for you to give yourself to this probably almost any time when you're by yourself in prayer. And then to have wisdom and to feel the flow within the prayer meetings on Monday night or whenever you have prayer meetings together, to feel that and flow in that. Because if you begin to go in that, gifts are flowing, there's going to be impartations, it's contagious, it's going to spread. And if God is trying to do something through us and we're always wanting to go in the same direction, then we need to make sure that we're in the will of God. I, I could get up and preach the same message every time I go somewhere and preach the same message. It's the Word of God, it's anointed. But that doesn't mean that's what God wants for every single service. So there's times that God wants different things in our prayer meetings. So sometimes we might warrior. Sometimes we might declare. Sometimes we might just be here to be built up. Other times we might be here to create an atmosphere. Somebody walk through that door, we pray them through the Holy Ghost. I mean, we, we just want to be sensitive to know what the will of God is. So when you yield to these gifts, uh, your own personal devotion, probably almost any time. Be wise when you're having prayer meetings together and be very sensitive to watch the leadership if you're in a church service so there's not con- confusion and you're not out of place. If you ever have to be corrected, let me just say this to you. Thank God that you're hungry to be used in gifts of the Spirit and that you want God to use you. So it's just a little instruction to make sure it's done right. Don't be offended. Don't be hurt. Just Flow with it. Be done right. If you're not sure what you did right or wrong, talk to pastor or talk to the evangelist after church, and, and they'll help you. They'll guide you. They'll, they'll talk with you. <clears throat> okay? Now, I, I want to uh, talk. We've got just a few moments left about um, working with people 
if someone's in the altar call, and they're in the altar service, they're a child of God, and they're praying, you can watch them at that same cusp of where we were just at. You can see them, perhaps you know some things in the physical, or perhaps the Spirit begins to let you see there's some situations in their family, there's some situations in their home. And you see them at the cusp of that warrior tongue. I will often, I try to explain the whole thing to them, but I'll get in their ear and I'll say, come on, sis, let's fight for this. Just give them key words that they're here doing battle. You've got the armor of God. Let's, let's do battle right now. Let's, let's fight. And I'll begin to move into that warrior tongue. And they can break through for family situations and break through some things. So uh, people praying in the altar might go into a travail. And if you feel and sense that travail and you're, they don't know what they're doing, you can help them in the same way. Not by explaining to everything about travail, tongue, diversity of tongue, but just simply say, come on, let's birth that. There's something in you right now that God is trying to bring to pass. He's trying to bring out for us. And just simple words like that can help them really move into a travail tongue. So uh, very important to be sensitive while you're praying for others, that that gifting can be spread among us as, as well for that. Okay. Um, when, when you begin to uh, use yourself in gifts of the Spirit, and I'm, I'm broadening this just a little bit beyond diversities of tongues, uh, always realize the priority and what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, Jesus, if we take the woman at the well, and this is what Jesus did all the time. Jesus has the disciples with him. He sends them all into Samaria. And then he begins to speak to this woman at the well. And if you'll read there, he operates in a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. He speaks a gift of faith. He prophesies to her. I can count maybe five or six gifts listed from Corinth, from Corinthians that he operates within her. Nobody's there to see it. Nobody's there to hear it. It's just him and her. The pattern that Jesus gives us is gifts of the Spirit are not to build a church and make a church a large church. Now that can happen. You see Peter and James going into the temple in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4. Lame man is sitting there and he's raised up. And a tremendous revival, 5,000 men are added to the church. But you got to see that what happened was just for that individual. And then his testimony... Noised it abroad. This is always what should happen. The reason why God does healings and miracles for people is because he loves that person. And he's demonstrating that you are so important. You're what this is all about. I'll heal you. Nobody else is in the place. I'll heal you. Everybody else leave. I'll I'll do you a miracle. It's just for you. So when we operate properly, it has to come from the spirit fruit of the Spirit, has to come from compassion. And it has to be just because you're feeling the compassion and love for that individual. And it doesn't have to be a show. Nobody needs to know if you were right on or if you're anointed. And None of that needs to happen. In fact, as you begin to mature in your gifting, God's going to make sure that you have to speak things and pray things and do things and not know results. Because if you're always result-driven, you'll tend toward pride. Pride is, in very general, is twofold. 
Pride is like, my goodness, wasn't I good tonight? <laughs> and pride is also, oh my goodness, I dropped my will and I was terrible tonight. It's still pride. Because it's not about you, it's about Him. So you do the best you can, whether you're sharp in the flesh or you're not sharp. You do the best you can with what energy and rest and strength that you bring to the place. And once you've done the best you can, you leave the results up to God. I'm, I'm going to share this with you because I just feel like I need to. Then I'm going to have us go into prayer and pastor can lead us where he wants to, us to go. But uh, oftentimes God will speak to me in normal everyday voice. And uh, if you feel like you know the voice of God in your heart, you probably do. But there's times that I'll be driving down the road and the Holy Ghost will speak to me and say, get out of the right-hand lane, get in the left-hand lane. And immediately when I hear God speaking that, I think, well, there's probably a deer going to jump out there and he's saving me a wreck or, or, you know, maybe a sharp object in the road. He's saving me something. And so I hear the voice of God and I just obey. Sometimes get just a little ways up the road and there's a deer. Sometimes you see something. Sometimes you don't see anything. But it's not about results. Sometimes I'll feel like the Holy Ghost says, slow down. Probably a lot of times, just slow down. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm doing 95. God wants me not to get a ticket today. So there's going to be a policeman up here with a radar, or, or perhaps I'm going to see an accident or something. And I'm reasoning why God would tell me, <laughs> slow down. And so I listen to God, and I do it. Sometimes I see why. Other times I do not. But God will teach you in everyday, normal, speaking to you, His voice. And sometimes you'll see results, sometimes you won't. Because a lot of times in ministry, you're not going to get confirmation. A lot of times you feel something in the Holy Ghost, you have to speak it. And no one's going to step up and pat you on the back and say, Oh my God, that was exactly what I did. Sometimes you're not going to hear it. In fact, I will tell you, there have been times that I have called somebody out, a true story. She's sitting on the front. I said, sis, I can see that fear has come upon you, is binding you so tight. And she said, no, absolutely not. What are you talking about? And so I tried to just smooth it over in church, right? Just smooth it over. Well, we'll pray for you. No, don't pray for me. Okay, well, church, would you help me out? Let's just pray, worship God, let's do something. But to find out just a week later that she had shut herself in her room, fear was so strong. In her, I, to, maybe she didn't know what she was dealing with, but from my viewpoint, speaking to her, I could have left that church service and said, my God, I missed that. Or anybody in the church service could have said, well, you know, green was off tonight or, you know, whatever they say. Sometimes you don't know the results. I spoke to a lady in Forest City. She was standing out in the altar, and I spoke to her that God was going to heal her, and the disease and sickness would not take its toll, but there's complete healing in her life. And she tells me later, she said, I thought that maybe, you know, you're speaking to me, but I thought maybe you had just missed it. The lady beside me had been dealing with some sickness. I wasn't sick. I wasn't dealing with anything. But a year later, she sat in the doctor's office, and they came back with tests, and they say, you have cancer. But she said, when that was told me, the Holy Ghost took me back to a year before when that was spoken. And he said, I took care of this a year ago. You don't have to worry about it. And because of that word that was spoken a year ago, faith rose up within her and she received a healing. So sometimes you're not going to see why you do what you do. 
Now, them are good stories. I can tell you about traveling with the family and pulling over as we've been traveling and sitting four hours in a Walmart parking lot with a truck and trailer, knowing that God told me to do that and still don't know to this day why we spend four hours there. You remember that, Lois? You remember that? You remember that? Yeah, you were like six months, so that's a good memory. No, I don't know. You, you were older. You were older. Yeah, it happened more than once, right? <clears throat> so good, good. I want us to stand. In fact, when you stand, would you just come on down to this altar? Um, with, with all of this that we've been seeing, hearing, and experiencing, I think it would be good for us to touch it again. Touch it again. But I want you, I'm not going to lead you this time in the physical. Yes, awesome. Uh, I, I don't want you to wait to be led of me. I want you to be led of the Spirit. And whatever you feel like in your spirit, you need to pray. If you need to give yourself to worship or you need to give yourself to prayer, to intercession or to warrior, I want you to do that. But make sure you exercise that ebb and that flow and let the Holy Ghost begin to uh, do these things. There's some things that I have mentioned as uh, I've been teaching you, and it's not accident. I feel this in my heart. I feel like we need to pray about the campus. When uh, and and I love football and follow the dogs as probably much as anybody here, but but uh, th- this is a season when people begin to worship, and there needs to be a a move of God on campus because even if the dogs go all the way and undefeated in the championship game, there'll be failure. It's a man thing. It's a man thing. So there needs to be a spirit of God on the campus that that we can worship. So I feel for us to pray about that. I also feel, and I think I prophesied this last time I was here, there's a tremendous revival that is just on the threshold of where we're at. Maybe somebody needs to travail and to break us into that. Are you feeling a calling right now? Can you feel that calling? Then why don't you just go ahead in your own way right now? Ministry, I want you to help us. Lay hands on people. Speak impartation. I want you to, I want you to grab that. Just keep it with you as you pray. I'll pray with you. <laughs> That's it. Give yourself to that. Whatever you feel, let it go in the Holy Ghost.
Fire on my altar, never burn out. 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 Fire on my altar, never
If you can, let's stand together now. And if you feel like I do, I feel like my legs are about to give out. And let's pray for that refreshing. And let's lift our hands and, and just worship the Lord and ask God to refresh us. There's been some great prayer, some things touched, some things birthed, some things broke tonight. Let's go ahead and begin to thank Him and worship Him. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Go ahead and praise Him. Hallelujah. Let's put into practice what we've learned now. Go ahead and begin to praise Him and then build yourself back up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what a privilege. Thank you, Lord. To stand in your presence tonight, King. We love you. We praise you. Lord, we give you glory and honor in this house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could you give him a hand clap and just a shout of praise tonight? Hallelujah. for instruction from the word and something I had shared at prayer and I shared with Brother Green before I said my desire was for us to finally see in our lives what we've heard about and I referenced the story of Bartimaeus who was a man who was blind but it was so much more than just being blind and getting his sight but that when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming. His desire was so strong that he cried out. And then Jesus posed the question, what, what will you have me to do? And he said that I might receive my sight. And so his desire was so strong that 
it was no longer just going to be I'm hearing about him, but I'm going to see him. And things that we have heard about in the word so long, if our desire is there, if we will just by faith do what the word says, we will begin to see what God has always wanted us to see. And you know, Bartimaeus from that day on, he was gifted with sight. And he could do a lot of things that he was never able to do before that instance. And I feel like in services like this where it's the word of God going forth. Don't ever devalue a session like this as to think, well, it's only teaching. It's only you know, a little Bible study. It's the word of God. And it is sharp and it is powerful as any two-edged sword. And it is, word, it is spirit and it's life. And we are born again by the word of God. You can't put a value on uh, it being rightly divided and, and served up to us so that we can be thoroughly furnished for good works. That we can be complete. That's why the ministry was given for the perfecting of the saves. And so, you know, that, that means, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's, uh, God gave us ministry and men of ministry and women of ministry so that we could be complete we could be perfect and and we could do the things that God wants us to do and so now you're going to you've had instruction tonight to help focus and channel and put your prayer life in the right place and your giftings in the right place and how to help others with theirs but now we've got to remember to put it in practice to put it to use I feel like I could walk on water right now brother green I feel the Holy Ghost strong because, see, these are the things that I have desired for our church. Well, when I watched you guys that I pastor praying, and I see some of you that I know this ministry in you, and, and I know that you've been discouraged, and my heart was breaking for you because I don't want you to quit. I want you to be encouraged because it's coming. What you're praying for is coming, and you're going to see it. It's going to happen for you. This church is here for a reason. And if the Lord tarries and, and I go on, this church will go on. And, and there'll still be a lighthouse of truth in this area in Athens. But, but this church was here to get something started. And I'm thankful for it. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God tonight? Praise God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God's so good. Brother Green, we love you. Thank you. Now, tomorrow night we'll be back for another session. I hope you can be here for that as well. Encourage people that weren't able to make it tonight, get here. You don't because see they they don't even know what what could have happened if they'd have been here tonight.